<laughs> no. Maybe if... No, that's not it. A trucker? This late? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? This is Disciple 410 listening. Your signal's a little spotty, stranger. Um, how's this? Reading you loud and clear. Who am I talking to? This is Joy Fulton, transmitting from the International Space Station. For real? Seriously? For real? <laughs> that... that's incredible. Hi, hello, I'm Cameron. Hey Cameron, what time is it where you are? Oh, about three in the morning, I, I think. I bet I can see as many stars as you. You'll have to wave if you see me going by. <laughs> I will. What are you doing up so late? Do you work nights? Um, in a manner of speaking, I'm trying to write. Oh, I see. So you're not awake by choice. Unfortunately. I just can't sleep until I get something down on paper. Are you a novelist? Oh, maybe on a deadline? Nah, nothing so interesting as that. What is it you need to get on paper? Um, a sermon, actually. Oh, you're a reverend. Or, um, a priest? I think pastor is what fits me best. And, yeah, I'm... I'm supposed to give the Christmas Day sermon. That seems like a pretty big deal for a pastor. One of the two biggest sermons of the year. It's, uh... It's a lot of pressure. Is it this much pressure every year? I don't know, actually. This is my first time since I just graduated seminary this summer. I'm the youngest teaching pastor at my church. Then it must be kind of an honor for you to be the one to give the sermon. Well, yes, but only kind of. One of the pastors is traveling to visit family and the other came down with bronchitis yesterday. It was just chance. Oh, I see. Honestly, Joy, I'm pretty scared. It does sound intimidating. I mean, for some folks, it's the only sermon, but you're all here. It has to count. It has to matter. No wonder you can't sleep. Yeah. Wait, you mentioned you could see stars. Are you outside? I am, yeah. I'm out on my porch. Isn't it cold outside? It's not so bad. It's actually kind of beautiful out. The way the moonlight catches the ice. It's like watching a song. Oh, I love that. I can't imagine what your view must be like. I never get tired of it. Day after day, the skies pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Oh, that's pretty. What's that? Psalm 19. Some of David's poetry. Of David and Goliath? The same, although he wrote this when he was older. Maybe even when he was king. <laughs> it's like you, actually. Like me? They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard of them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Oh, voice of the sky! I like that. I wish the sermon was about space. Maybe you could give me some insights and I wouldn't be so stuck. Well, maybe I can help anyway. What's got you stuck? Uh, the angle. Why do you need an angle on a Christmas sermon? Because otherwise it won't stick. It'll be just like every other Christmas sermon everyone's ever heard. Maybe it'd be good to do an easy, angleless sermon for your first Christmas. Maybe, but that doesn't feel respectful to my congregation. My job is to teach, to speak the truth into their lives, not lob them a softball. 
But the people who only come to church twice a year aren't coming for a challenge, are they? I guess not. But if they wanted some cookie-cutter inspiration, they could just turn on a televangelist. It's got to be special. Hmm. Special. I could go all fire and brimstone to cry the way Christmas has been made into a holiday of greed and money. That's a classic angle. It'd be easy, too. If the commercials don't make you sick of Christmas carols, the music in every store will. Even if you like it, it gets annoying fast. Exactly. But most folks around here don't have much to spare anyway. It's not like they're in the throes of avarice. Mmm, so classic, but not useful. Right. I could do a perspective change, try and tell the story through one of the other characters' eyes, Mary or Joseph. I've seen that done before. That sounds promising. Some of the most interesting sermons I've heard use that angle, but... But? Well, it's a lot of conjecture. Scripture gives us some broad strokes, but how can any of us know what they were feeling? How would any of us feel being told that the savior of your people and your world is going to be in diapers in your house? Well, whatever it was you felt, it would probably be a lot. It would, but I I don't want to build a sermon on probably, you know? Whatever you believe, Jesus is a real historical figure, and his parents were real people with real feelings. Do do I have the right to put words in their mouth just for a sticky sermon? I guess I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. I suppose I don't have to talk about Christmas using the specific Christmas story. You don't? Don't get me wrong, it's the obvious choice, but the point of Christmas is God living among people as one of us. The Incarnation. And there's more than one place that talks about that? Yeah, like the first chapter of John, which is some truly amazing Greek philosophizing, the word became flesh. The word being Jesus? That's exactly what John is arguing, yes. There's actually a really interesting usage of the Greek prose in the first verse. Maybe that could be the angle. Okay, tell me more. So the way the verse is usually translated into English goes like this. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now the word with in there is prose, which is, get this, almost never translated to mean with. It's usually translated to mean toward or to. Um... Now you might be thinking, what about the noun case? Can't the noun case drastically change the meaning of a preposition? And you'd be, of course, be right. But prose is followed by tonteos, which is an accusative case. And yet, still, we translate it as with instead of toward. Imagine the implications. Hey, Cameron. Yes? I have no idea what you just said. Oh, is it... is it too academic? Do you really want to preach a whole sermon on one Greek preposition? I guess not. Not to be anti-intellectual here. No, you're right. The translation minutia is great for essays and terrible for sermons. It's all Greek to me. I didn't even like my Greek classes in seminary. Sorry to rule out another angle. No apology necessary. Heck, you might have just saved Christmas. (laughs) Oh, good. My congregation would thank you, I'm sure. What does Christmas mean to you, Joy? I've been thinking a lot about that, actually. Yeah? Usually I'd associate Christmas with togetherness, but this year it's just me up here. Mostly it just stings when that togetherness isn't there. Mm, It does sting. This is my first Christmas away from home. Oh no. 
Even while I was in seminary, I always made it home for Christmas. It's not going to be the same. I hear you there. What do you think you'll miss most? Definitely my dad reading the Christmas story over breakfast. He cries every time. Is your dad a pastor too? No, he's actually a printer salesman, but he made me want to be a pastor. Hey, Cameron. Yes? Have you considered making your sermon personal? Oh, my congregation doesn't want to hear about me. Do they? I mean, it's a way to make your sermon stick. Even someone who won't see you until Easter will at least know you're sincere. Hmm. Hey, what part of the Christmas story makes your dad cry? It happens sooner every year. But definitely the angels and the shepherds. The Charlie Brown bit. Exactly. You know, historically, shepherds tended to be social outcasts. Some of them were disabled or criminals or otherwise not thought well of. Wasn't David a shepherd, though? He was, but he was the youngest brother of at least nine siblings, so just a kid. It wasn't a job you gave to people you respected. So the angel showed up for the outcasts? Yes, and announced the birth of the king, because the point of the incarnation is that no one gets left behind. Togetherness. And the whole sky full of angels bringing good news of great joy. This sounds like a sermon. You think so? Yeah. Maybe you'll get to give a sermon about the sky after all. Yes, I... That would be perfect. I think I know what to write now. Oh, good. Hey, I think... I think I see you. Wait, really? Yeah, about... 50 degrees over the northern horizon, crossing southwest? That is me! I'm waving! I'm waving too, can you see me? <laughs> no! <laughs> I guess that makes sense. How cool is that? Oh, it's so cool. Shout for joy, oh heavens. Thank you for everything, Joy. I'm glad we met tonight. I am too. Should I let you go? It's probably a good idea to write while the idea's in my head. Are, are you going to be alright? I mean... I hate to think of you up there all alone. Don't worry about me. I'm meeting new friends every day. Well, I'll pray that you keep safe up there. I appreciate that. Hey, Merry Christmas. Tidings of joy, Joy. Merry Christmas. This episode was written by Hannah Wright, with dialogue editing by Nathan Comstock, and sound design by Claudia Elvidge. Cameron was played by It Me, and Joy was played by Tal Minear. Good news alert! We've sniffed out a winner from the Go Kid Go team, Snoop and Sniffy. What happens when Snoop, an experienced dog detective from London, gets sent to small town Pflugerville to train clueless puppy Sniffy as an undercover agent? Mystery, adventure, and chaos. Seriously, the town of Pflugerville isn't Dullsville like Snoop expected, and he quickly realizes that he can't handle all the action without Sniffy by his side. Even when they're able to turn a blind eye to the alien superheroes and villains battling it out for control of Pflugerville, Snoop and Sniffy have their paws full on Bark Street, with hilarious busybodies like Lorraine the Neighborhood Watch Duck, Poot the Groundhog, and Fred the Squirrel popping around. Do you love to laugh? Do you love animals? Do you have the brightest mind since Sherlock Holmes? Yes? 
Then tag along with us for the fun and see if you can help solve the mysteries by listening to Snoop and Sniffy on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.